Well, hey, good morning and welcome. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour, Tuesday, January 10th. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name's Homer Lopez. This is the Patriot Trading Group presenting this. What do we do? The physical delivery of gold and silver. Give us a call, 1-800-951-0592. The lovely Wendy's here today to take your phone call, answer your questions, walk you through your order. You can go check us out online at allamericangold.com. It's as easy as point and click. Take a look at the product and then get the news to disturb the comfortable. But we don't tell you what to think, but we certainly give you something to think about. Of course, this show is brought to you, as always, by the Patriot Trading Group and its CEO and owner. He grinds it out daily to make sure you're in the know when it comes to financial responsibility across the country. Joe is on a daily basis delivering economics with attitude. Day two of the week, Joe. How are you doing, man? Wow. what a, did you, I don't know if you saw the championship game for college football great uh, game and i have watched as you know very little sports i'm i'm watching less and less of it i don't know if i was really watching a sports game as, a, as, as opposed to watching two tickets to the gun show did you see that referee's arm <laughs> that guy had pythons for biceps that referee was hulking out. Uh, I'm going to say this. I oh, think he needs to be tested. Are, did you see the size of those players? You need to hulk out to, to be on the field with those guys. What a what a fantastic what a game. game. Yeah, it was yeah. a great, great game. I really enjoyed the game. Uh, you know what? And I think when you uh, when football season lasts for half the year, you get to that pinnacle game. You want it to be a good game like that. That's all you want. You know what? Everybody that I was with you – all they talked about. I don't want was, to blow out because I, I don't like either team. Yeah, I don't think anybody is is huge fans, at least out here, of oh, yeah. either one of those. We were all kind of saying, hopefully Clemson will win, just because they lost last year. Sure, sure. Well, that and you know, a lot of people kind of you know, when somebody keeps winning, you know that that uh, Alabama has won five titles in the last eight years. And that's, yeah, that's 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 a that's a, nice. a, that's a dominating that's team. Nice. Yeah, of course they're real good. They're good, good coach, good coach. More of their players go to the NFL than anybody else. Yeah, you'd oh, want yeah. to go. The, you start at Alabama, you're, you're going to the pros. You're going to be a millionaire. I mean, that's just how it is. It is. It is when you play there. But uh, anyway, speaking of going up, gold and silver up again today. Uh, gold's up, uh, what, three, three, four bucks here, 1188 Silver, I've been, you know. Sometimes I get tired, I tell you. And I've been trying to get everybody for the last probably dollar plus now to get in here. Silver's up another 20, 20, 21 cents, 1689, 1689 an ounce on silver. You, you hate it so badly when our customers don't listen I to you. I do. You know what I you remind so me of? You know what you remind me of? If you've ever seen uh, Glenn Close in a little movie where she says, I'm not going to be ignored, Jonathan, I love you and you love me. Listen, I'm not going to be I'm ignored. I'm not putting the rabbit in the pot. And what movie is that? Um, what movie is that? It was Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. Basic Instinct. Ba- no, no, it's not Basic Instinct. Yes, it is. No. Are you certain? No. no. It's not. It's not Basic Instinct. That was uh, that that was a risque one, basic instinct. I don't know if you're right, Homer. 
I'm telling you, it's not basic instinct. All right, we'll find out over the break, but I'm not putting the rabbit in the pot. But you want your lovely listeners to listen well, I to you, and you hate to be I, ignored. I, there's certain times where things are just, you need to buy them. But, but nonetheless, uh, just a quick update. All the metals plans, we are, we're, we're going to be done today. We're going to be done. Uh, it, it was, it's awesome. It's overwhelming. Uh, just a, maybe, and I, I think I've said this every quarter, so maybe I should stop saying, but it, I, one of the best quarters ever. <laughs> it was just, that's a great one. And well, you know what? Let's face it. It helped that gold and silver have both gone up a whole bunch since the end of the month. Absolutely has. Right? By so, the way, the movie was called Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. You and your clients are a fatal attraction, and when they don't listen to you, you hate to be ignored. <laughs> Could have sold, bought so much more silver at such a better price well, than they've been listening to you. It is what it is. You know, it's the holidays. Everyone's got the Christmas hangover, and, and you overindulge. I get it. I get it. Uh, but but the Dow is up 50 today, so uh, 19,940. There was a whole bunch of what I'll call uh, was about economic data. In in the one piece in particular today that I don't understand the spin on on the report because when I looked at the report, I'm like, oh, that's. That's a horrible report. But yet, when I re- when you read the article that goes along with it, you would think it was the best thing that ever happened. How they spin uh, it. How they spin it. I'm not going to tell you what it is. We'll talk about that in the in the next segment, and then you judge. You can decide whether it was a good port, report or a bad report. Uh, the Jolt survey was out. That's the job survey. Almost everything in the whole report was unchanged. No, uh, there wasn't more jobs. And these are job openings. There wasn't any more job openings this month compared to last month. Uh, The quit slash fires uh, were about the same from one month to the next. So it was pretty much a status quo on the jobs front. Uh, Then we've got, if you go out to the website today, Ramon put this fabulous, uh, article up there, and it's got these charts, and, and I know charts can be a little confusing sometimes, but they do a really good job of walking you through the charts. The article does a fascinating talking about government debt, government spending, and the lack of full-time jobs. Uh, just a great article. Make sure you go out there and get yourself educated on that. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. I need you to call it, or I am going to go fatal attraction. Uh, today's special. Going to boil a rabbit, huh? Well. <laughs> It's a U.S. $20 St. Gaudens. These are the AUs. These are almost uncirculated. These are, they're nice. Really nice. I mean, this is the grade right before they start slabbing them. And and I got an opportunity. uh, The largest wholesaler in the world reached out to me and said, hey, we got these. 
Gold's been going up. We'll offer it to you at a discount. I took advantage of it. Uh, they're available online and over the phone. They're thirteen hundred and fifty bucks. You got gold getting ready here to bust out uh, over twelve hundred. So thirteen fifty for an AU quality and especially a St. Gaudens to boot. Uh, we know how how hard and how difficult those have been uh, to come by, especially in the last couple of years. It seems like every time there's there's a run in gold, they just disappear. Uh, so if you want to take advantage of that uh, $20 AU Saint, they're $1,350 uh, when you pay by check. I think it's like $1,377 and change if you pay with a credit card. Uh, but, but both of them, they're available through our 800 number at 800-951-0592. Or if you don't want to talk to us, right, you're worried I'm going to have a meltdown, you can just go online, go to allamericangold.com, you click the order now button, and it's the featured item. You can't miss it, and you can put it in your shopping cart and do it that way as well. And you can pay by a check now online as well as via the credit card, so you can get uh, that check pricing if you want online as well. How about that? Just making it easier and Trying easier to, make it to easier. do business. So, you know, I was talking before the break about there's this, this is actually, this isn't even, this is a revision to a report. Okay, so today we got a revision. It has to do with wholesale inventories. In other words, people made it. Okay, they got put into a warehouse, and they measure. Hey, is there more stuff in this warehouse this month than last month? Or is there less stuff? Now, I'm one of those guys that says, hey, if there's less stuff, that's a good thing. Right? That means, hey, we sold more stuff than we bought. That's going to be a good thing. Especially next month, hey, we're going to have to buy more. Apparently... This is not how, at least today, this used to be how they, by the way, 10 years ago, that's how they judged this report. It's now gone the other way. U.S. wholesale inventories in November rose slightly more than previously reported, posting their largest gain in two years. Now, this was a November report, and this is kind of what has me uneasy. November is not a month where you want to be adding to your inventories. Right? November is one, you're you're what? You should be what? Slimming down as the Christmas stuff all leaves leaves your warehouse and goes to the retailers, or they're selling it, they're ordering it, because everybody knows that January and February are pretty slow months. Yes, they are. Right? Everybody's broke, right? The credit card bill came. You're out of money. And unless you've been under a rock, all these retailers... (laughs) At least today, I don't have an announcement of another one just shutting it all down. The Commerce reported on Tuesday that wholesale inventories rose 1% 
in November, the largest increase since 2014. And it said that uh, they it would have previously been reported at 910. It says that the component of wholesale inventories that goes into the calculation for GDP. Okay. Wholesale stocks, excluding automobiles, rose seven-tenths of a percent. It said that inventory investment, that's the word they use, inventory investment. Because it just sounds better when you say investment. Versus saying, hey, inventory of stuff I can't get rid of, right? Because that doesn't sound as good. That contributed to a half of a percent of GDP last quarter. So in other words, we've got this. Well, part of the reason why you're seeing these stores are closing, right? Part of the reason why you're hearing all the car companies saying, hey, we're closing plants, because they got too much stuff. But you think about third quarter, this, if, if that was half of a percent, and we know soybeans was a whole percent, how much growth did we really have? They say the uh, the report last week showed stocks at manufacturers increase. Says that data on retail inventories due to be released Friday could shed more light on the size of the boost to fourth quarter GDP from inventory investment. Listen, inventory stopped being an investment a long time ago. Now you think about how everybody operates. You know, I used to be in the retail industry. Everybody knows that. And these stores, they'd have these back rooms. at the, the warehouse. And those warehouses used to be full. And then as I, even when going back to the early, early 90s, there was this big push to get everything out of the back room. Like get everything out of the warehouse and, the, and all of these stores. Because let's face it, you can now order electronically, boom, 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 and the product, you order it today, the product is, shows up in a truck tomorrow. It's that easy. Right? You don't need to carry all the inventory. And everybody did it. And now they're saying that here's a good... Now, let me tell you where the stocks got really inflated. Wholesale stocks in farm products. I, I'm going to go with soybeans, <laughs> corn, right? That's not a good thing for farmers. Surged 5% after rising 3% in October. Wholesale inventories of petro, uh, petrochemicals, petroleum, you know, oil rose 2.7%, while stocks in automobiles increased 3.2%. Machinery inventory, for me, that'd be, hey, people are going to build new plants, actually fell. Said, uh... Is that like Caterpillar and uh, is that the machinery inventory? That would, I would, that's a great one. I think Caterpillar would be a prime John player. Deere, Caterpillar, right? all that stuff. All right. And so here's the funny thing. Obviously, it hasn't hurt gold at all. Gold was up. Silver's up big. 
Uh, it did help the Dow likes it because they think it's going to help for the fourth quarter GDP. Of course, uh, they're still saying fourth quarter GDP is not even going to be three percent either. My question for everybody is, what does this really mean for the first quarter, second quarter, and all these jobs we're allegedly creating when all of these wholesalers have all this stuff that they can't sell? Speaking of stuff that is going to be hard, I'm going to tell you the other report. There's one other piece of economic data out. It was credit cards. And this one in particular, who's paying and who's not? With the increased job opportunities and fatter paychecks, that's the headline. See, they if they keep saying it, they'll try to make you believe that this is true. Right? I've already proven, factually proven, we've created, what was it, 500,000, something like that, less jobs last year than the year before. I think it was like 50,000, something like that, 50,000 jobs less a month. Yeah, we're going backwards. We're going the wrong way. It's just like thinking about next year's retail. How can it improve if we keep closing stores? And you know what's funny is that's one of the things they keep saying is adding to job growth, retail jobs. Ask everybody at the Limited. Um. <laughs> I've never seen it. I mean, is that not the craziest thing? 700 retail standing brick-and-mortar stores. They just shut them all. Eviscerated. Just done. And they did it quick. Like, no big going out of business. Well, of course, they're not out of business. They're just going online only. Well, I understand this. If you look at a profit and a loss statement and you're bleeding everywhere, something drastic has to yeah, be done. Yeah, it's not like you can just stop paying. The, they decided... We'll make more money, even if the leases aren't up, just paying the rent on an empty space than keeping it open. Well, the staff, workman's comp, payroll taxes, all of those things to go along with it. There's something got to give. Americans may be better off than they have been in years, according to the fake numbers. Yet they are doing worse when it comes to paying off their loans every month. Hmm. Let's see. We factually know that consumers are be falling more behind on their credit cards and their auto loans again. And this is, I don't even know how many, the report doesn't say how many months in a row this has been the case. It says delinquencies rose in the last year's third quarter, according to the American Bankers Association, consumer Credit delinquencies track 11 loan categories. Home equity, home equity lines of credit, auto loans, credit cards, you know, student loans. The report defines a delinquency as a payment that's 30 days or more overdue. And, and, and it's so funny because Here's what they say. In, in other words, we don't want to talk about the bad numbers, so let's talk about this instead. There have been a lot of new jobs created. This, this is in the report. Wages have increased, and that has improved the financial position of consumers, according to the chief of the American Bankers Association, well, the chief economist. It's important for consumers to remain cautious 
and maintain their discipline and keeping debt at levels they can they can comfortably manage. Apparently, they're not nearly as comfortable. These great jobs apparently aren't getting to the right people. Uh, you you uh, credit card accounts uh, in the majority of the United States for, fell further behind, and then auto loan delinquencies was also up again for the third quarter. And it said that uh, 33% of American households are making car payments. Well, that's it. I would have thought that number would be higher than that. I agree with you 100%. I mean, how is uh, only 33% of the households... This can't be right. I mean, this is... Nothing in this article is true. So I'm sure that isn't true as well. It's questionable. Yeah, it's... Highly questionable. And I guess, you know what, though? Now, we don't live in the big metropolises. So maybe, you know, New York, Chicago, L.A., maybe no one there has a car, but there sure are a lot of cars there. I just... I don't know. I don't know. I've been to Los Angeles. It seems like everyone's in a car. I've been to Chicago. It seems like everyone's in a car. New York, on the other hand, yeah, they ride subways. I don't see that producing 33% as a number for the house. Yeah, that doesn't really, yeah. Uh, I don't believe. I'm not buying it. I don't know how could, or the auto industry could handle that. Patriot Radio News Hour, halftime. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. In early December, President-elect Trump nominated Andy Puzder to serve as his Secretary of Labor. Puzder is the CEO of CKE Restaurants, the parent company of fast food chains Hardee's and Carl's Jr., Puzder has long been a Republican and one of the foremost conservative voices in the American business world, known especially for his opposition to Obamacare and a higher minimum wage. Puzder has served many times as a delegate to the Republican National Convention. This year in Cleveland, he served as one of California's two delegates on the Platform Committee. Puzder attended the platform training held by Phyllis Schlafly, where he was able to network with Phyllis and others as platform strategies were planned. Puzder also served as co-chair of the Subcommittee on Restoring the American Dream. This first section of the 2016 Republican platform articulated positions on issues like jobs and the economy, simpler and fairer taxes, a winning trade policy, freer financial markets, small business and entrepreneurship, and Federal Reserve and debt policy. Who better to articulate these issues for the Republicans or to head the Department of Labor than an outspoken businessman who understands these issues and how they affect everyday American workers? Let's look at some of the excerpts from the platform after Andy Puzder's committee completed their work. Government cannot create prosperity, the platform says, though government can limit or destroy it. Prosperity is the product of self-discipline enterprise, saving, and investment by individuals, but it is not an end in itself. Prosperity provides the means by which citizens and their families can maintain their independence from government, raise their children by their own values, practice their faith, and build communities of cooperation and mutual respect. 
The platform goes on to say, "Business closures have exceeded business startups throughout the Obama presidency. Strong growth, more jobs, increasing incomes, and expanding opportunity are all in short supply. We repudiate the absurd idea that this is the best America can do." This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What should we expect from a Donald Trump White House? Will President Trump elevate and advance conservative ideals? At pseagles.com, you have complete access to our Phyllis Schlafly Eagles news updates, commentaries, and blogs. Add your own comments at pseagles.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back, Pedro Radio News Hour. Uh, today's special. We've got some almost uncirculated. These are AU twenty dollars saints. For those of you that don't know what that is, essentially these are coins that are almost gradable. They're almost the grade right below it. They're they're going to be. Uh, in really good shape. Most of them really, they'll, they'll have less wear, a lot less wear than, than regular Saints. Uh, they're really just really good-looking coins. Uh, they're $1,350 today at 800-951-0592. That actually makes them less. I think I think less than an ungraded one. So yeah, it's just a fantastic opportunity uh, to to add to your portfolio. So you can do that uh, by calling us at eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two, or you can now just do it right online. Just point and click at allamericangold dot com. A great report was out. The fiscal times. The hundred and sixteen U.S cities with populations greater than 200,000. Okay, so these are all all of the big cities. They all were allowed to do their own analysis of how broke are they. Chicago and New York rank at the bottom of the new analysis of fiscal strength based on the data from the 2015 financial reports issued by the cities themselves. See, this is what I like. We're going to take the actual data from the cities themselves and we're going to break down where everybody's at. Chicago's position at the bottom of the rankings is no surprise to anyone who's been watching city finances. The Windy City became the poster child for financial mismanagement, having suffered a series of ratings downgrades and and the, well, let's face it, we know this whole story, and this isn't just Chicago. I mean, if you think about it, if Chicago's the worst and then New York's right behind them, right? These are huge population centers. 
I'm just going to give you how bad it really is. For example, in Chicago, the city's municipal employees annuity and benefit fund. Okay, that's the pension. They reported that they had assets of $4.7 billion. Unfortunately, they've also reported the, oh, how many? That's a great question. So there, there's 50 of them available. Sorry, I apologize. Uh, that was a person on the air. Um, now, now I'm all off track. Oh, there we go. So they said we've got $4.7 billion in assets to pay these people that we've promised. The problem is there's $14.7 billion of accrued liabilities. I mean, they're already $10 billion behind. And every year, they fall farther behind. They said that that is a ratio of just 33% funded. The actuary's calculation, this is the part that makes it even worse, rely on the controversial practice of discounting future benefits at a rate of 7.5%, which is the assumed return on the fund's portfolio. Now, as we just know, as we, we found out, you know, California is now saying, how about 7, right? And next year they're going to erase that and say, how about 6.5, and, and erase that and say, how about 6, 5, 4. They're not getting these returns. So my question would be, if without the 7.5% return, how bad is the problem, really? And it said that when you look at all of the cities combined, they're seeing a rate that is actually getting worse, not better. So you look at this great stock recovery, Right? We've had this great rally for, what, five, six, seven years now. And yet all of the cities are saying, hey, we're not getting, we're not making any of these returns. Matter of fact, all of the funds are getting worse. By the way, you know when New York City defaulted on its municipal debt? They did it in 1933. Looks like they're maybe getting ready to do it again. Outside of New York and Chicago... Three other cities received scores below 40, and apparently below 40 means, yeah, you're done. Reno, Reno, Nevada, what is, the, what is their motto? Uh, greatest little city in the world. No, uh, apparently not so great. St. Louis, Missouri, and then Toledo, Ohio. Isn't that where uh, Klinger was from? Yes, he was a mudhead from the Toledo Mudheads. Yes, that's right. All three of these cities had relatively small general fund balances and high debt burdens. They said uh, on the other side of the spectrum, 
was Irvine, California. They're, they're number one. How about that? I was surprised to see a California city uh, be uh, number one, but actually, believe it or not, uh, there's actually several California cities that are doing quite well. Unfortunately, there's several California cities that are doing quite poorly. Uh, you can actually see the the whole rankings of all the cities. You can actually go and look at your city's rankings as well. If you go to the Fiscal Times, uh, the article is out there. and I'm not sure. I may have gotten this from our website as well, so it may be up there as well. But it really is amazing what they're allowed to get away with. You know, how can they go out there and they're selling all of this debt? Right? Because that's what the cities do when they when they have a shortfall. What do you think Chicago does? What does New York do? They go back out and they what? Sell bonds. And they and you guys go out there and you end up buying them all, right? And they put them into your IRAs and your four oh one Ks, your mutual funds and all that stuff. And what could possibly go wrong? What a great deal. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Patriot Radio News Hour. Feel free to call us. 1-800-951-0592. The lovely Wendy's here today. Take your call. Yeah, gold's up... uh... Three bucks, eleven eighty-eight. Silver's up twenty-three cents, sixteen ninety-one. Today's special AU twenty-dollar Saints. They're at thirteen hundred and fifty bucks. Just fantastic for an AU quality product like that. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. That's the toll-free number. Or you go out to the website allamericangold.com and you can order around there. So, the 116 largest cities in the country. By the way, the top six, which is amazing for how broke they are. There are six cities in California that all got A's. And I'm using, you know, school grades, right? 90 to 100 is an A, 80 to 89 is a B, 70 to 79 is a C, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's only six A's out of the 116 cities. All of them happen to be in California. Then there was 26 B's. Uh, Aurora, Colorado, by the way, was one of those cities that got a B grade. There was 26 of course, in that in that category, that's seventy to seventy nine. You'll find both Phoenix and Denver, and we barely got there. I think seventy twos for Phoenix and Denver. So that that was more like C minus. But there was twenty six of those. Twenty five of the largest cities in the country got D's, and and. Uh, the vast majority of those D's were between 60 and 62. By the way, Tucson, Arizona uh, is where you'll find uh, that them. That they are a, a D ranking. Um, Henderson, Nevada, by the way, D ranking as well. And then all the rest, 33 F's. 
places where you'll find places like Newark, New Jersey, North Las Vegas, Colorado Springs, L.A., New Orleans, Omaha, Kansas City, Portland, Dallas, Houston, Cleveland. You know, cities people have heard of. Philly. By the way, Philly's uh, right near the bottom. Now, they are the sixth worst. So Chicago is number one. They are at a whopping, they got 25%. New York was at 26. Uh, Philly, as an example, was at 41. So I don't know. You tell me. Does that sound like prosperity to anybody? What are all of these cities going to do? I find it so interesting how a big of a failure, and you just said they're at 25. Okay, that, that's not an F. That's way below F. And in a city like Chicago that's been established and is a foundation and has financial, you know, uh, buildings and all, I mean, just an amazing city, right? By the way, our president was a senator there. Yeah, right. Son. Okay, so, I mean, the leadership in that state, that city in particular. Well, the state, too, the state hasn't had a budget in years. Because they, the the realities are, is they can't make a budget that that actually, you know, they have to at least present a budget that's balanced, and they can't do it. And we sit here and we pretend like it's not happening. I will just say this: uh, it's just a tip from your good buddy Homer here. Uh, don't use Chicago as a model for having a successful. Thing well, you know, and here's the problem: only six A's. Out of 116 cities, what are the six A's doing that the rest of the country needs? Well, they they have you know what here's what here's what how they got the A. It's so expensive to live in these other towns in California. Everyone's moving to those because it's the only place where they can find a house that's affordable. Have you ever been to Irvine? You said Irvine was one of those cities, right? Yeah, never been. That I know of. Irvine's on the outskirts of where Disneyland is. It's half half. Barrio, half, uh, um, you know, poor part of town. And then there's there's some nice areas, but really, I mean, it's highly tourist because of Disneyland. And, and so that, that, but they're number one. They're the only one that was really a I stellar think grade. So interesting that they would be a number one. And, uh, well, and, and again, these are actual reports that the, all 116 cities had to file. And I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, okay, well, out of the 116, 58 got D's and F's. And the report let them use bad numbers. Oh, well, we're going to get 7.5% return. No, you're not. That, that's like a teacher telling you, okay, we're going to be grading this on a curve right, yeah. <laughs> to help you out. <laughs> so let, let's just assume. And I'm going to give, like, the best case scenario that it's only one letter grade that helps them. So there would be no A's, 6 B's, 26 C's, and all the rest would be failure. That's probably the reality. Right, is you probably got about 80, 85 of these cities that are getting, or that are not getting ready. They're slowly just killing themselves in death. To the point that that they're almost ceasing to function, and then you start to ask yourself, "What does that mean? What does that mean for economic growth in this country?" When all of a sudden, all of these cities are going to say, "Hey, we're bro- who's going to bail out Chicago?" How can you have economic recovery 
You know, these are, and you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people who have pensions with these cities. How about the people that work for them now? How mad are you? See, that, that would make me upset. If I'm in my 40s and I'm paying into the Chicago Pension Fund, right, knowing that it's going to go bankrupt and I'm probably not going to get anything, I'd be annoyed. I would be very worried about my future. Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment on a Tuesday. How about this? You know, you heard uh, Donald Trump say, hey, we're going to have to front the money for the wall. And, and everybody's, oh, you know, and they're getting all up in arms about it. I'm like, yeah, right? Makes sense to me. So do you know how much it would cost to build the rest of the wall? And when I saw this, I said, why haven't we started? And uh, and. And I'll just lay it out for you. Here's the the estimate. They say there's roughly 1,300 miles of wall that would need to be built. The Great Wall, we need 1,300 miles. Wow, that that's a lot of wall. My drive from here to Idaho is 860 miles. Oh, it is? Yeah. So it's like Idaho and back, not quite, a little less than that. No, you said 1,300 miles. Right, well, there and back. You said 800 oh, miles yeah, there, yeah, right? Yeah, about there and back. That okay. is a long wall, man. Uh, that's, that's a big wall. I mean, that's the entire Wasatch Front mountain range. So they say the cost could be as high as $16 million per mile. Okay. $16 million per mile <laughs> would you to like, build a wall. They're saying, like, but I'm going to say, there is no inflation. How would you like to be the tile guy with the, the tape and measure? <laughs> <laughs> so they said the wall will cost somewhere between 15 and $30 billion. And I was like, that's it? I, my, the first we, we, man, we, we go into $30 billion, we go into debt of that, that. That's every month. Big deal. We just went a trillion dollars into debt last year. We can't squeeze out an extra $30 billion for that? I was thinking the wall was going to cost like a trillion bucks or some outrageous number. You know, I didn't know. And then I was like, wow, there's 1,300 miles, and you're like $16 million a mile. Right? And they try to tell you, oh, yeah, t- inflation's uh, it's only 2%. I don't, that's a lot of money. But still. I like your question. Why haven't they started? Why haven't they started? That's it. You, and you know they can't do it all in one day. So it would probably take, I don't know, five, ten years. I don't know how long it would take to build it. This is America, so it's probably going to take ten times longer than it should. Not with Donald Trump now. Right? But, okay. Let's spend $5 billion a year until it's done. That's like, we go $5 billion into debt every day. In that pause right there, we just went into more debt. <laughs> right. Oh, that's it. Why haven't we started? That that would be my question, right? I was watching all the oh, Dollar Elon, he's going back, and of course, he's like, no, no, I'm not. I'm just saying we got to start. I can't get it from Mexico this time, but I will. 
And I believe him. And even if he didn't get a single cent, it'd still be worth it. Build the wall. $15 billion? Let's double it. Let's go crazy. You know what? It isn't $16 million, $16 million a mile. It's it's $32 million. Because you know that's probably what it's going to be. By the time they get it all done, it'll be $32 million a mile because there's no inflation. Spend the $30 billion and let's get the thing built. Take the radio news hour. Come on back for hump day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Take care.